thoughts open our minds. Receive from you. change us, continue to make us walk in your love. <clears throat> Keep us in one accord so that we can press on towards the mark. hear from you, we expect to hear from you when we pray. to my faith, making me a stronger person, and especially making my faith stronger, and I know he'll always be with me, and he's healed me forever. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your gracious love, Lord. Thank you for sending your son, Lord, to take our place. Thank you for the, the mighty wonder of your love, Lord, and your power, which is so great, and your peace, Lord, which passes all understanding, Lord. I pray that we would walk in that, Lord, and we'll walk in you, Lord, live by your word. Thank you for your sovereignty, Lord. Thank you for your love, and thank you for the teaching going to hear tonight, Lord. Thank you for the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And most of all, thank you for your son, Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. May your name be glorified today, Lord. And may the body be built up so we can continue our journey to worshipping you and glorifying you here on earth. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here. May the name of Jesus Christ be glorified on us. Amen. 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 Thank you, Lord. You may be seated. today we good we good how are we all today good 
Amen. No condemnation, but how many people fasted? <laughs> well. Who's ready for today? We ready for today? Thank God for that. Thank God for that, that we're ready. Can I just have the picture that I chose? Uh, for the Bible study. The picture. Who's ready for today? We ready? I'm ready. Who wants to know today about how how to walk in your calling? Who wants to know how God does it and what is he looking for and how to walk in your calling? Can I just get a bit of feedback from the people? When you hear the word calling, what comes to you? When you hear the word calling, the calling of God over your life, what do you think comes to you? So, so one at a time. Yeah. Nice, bro. Nice. Nice. Answer. Amen, bro. You meant to answer the call of God. It's good. Hello, we'll give him a call later. <laughs> I like you, bro. I like you. So, when it comes to the call of God, what comes to you? Encounter? Purpose? Relationship, die to yourself. Yes, brother. Are you going to start again? or <laughs> Salvation, good. Beautiful, bro. Nice response. Yes, sister. Utilize the giftings that God's given you. That's good. Anyone else? When it comes to the call of God over your life, what comes to you? Speak. Speak your heart. Obedience, Father's will, what's that, sorry? Duty on earth, responsibility, surrender, purpose, plan for your life. Anyone else? Anyone else? Do the works of God. 
Anyone else want to have a destiny? Preparation? Who said preparation? Preparation. It's close. Preparation. Anyone else? When it comes to the call of God over your life, she's probably the closest one to it. Preparation. Anyone else want to have a go before I take over? Motto, sorry. I can't hear you, sorry. Acceptance. Amen. Anyone else want to have a go? Destiny. Journey. Yeah. Look, they're all right. They're all right. <laughs> uh, from this teaching, I think many people are going to be shocked. You know why? Can I share my heart with you? So through this fast that I've done, the Holy Spirit spoke with me. And he gave me direction of what to bring here, how to walk in your calling. You know, the most scariest verse, Bible verse that I've ever heard in my journey, the most scariest verse that I've heard in my journey, you want to hear? Is there scary Bible verses? Many accord, but a few are chosen. The Holy Spirit told me that he wants me to speak about this. And can we go even a level higher of what's even more scarier? Are we ready? I always like to intensify the teaching. Holy Spirit does that. Can I ask you a question? Are you one of those many? Now, I'm not here just to make a teaching. Are you one of those many? Because if you don't understand the call of God over your life, you'll become one of those many. And it's the truth. I speak the truth to you. The Holy Spirit's come and corrected me. The Holy Spirit's come and rebuked me. The Holy Spirit's come and encouraged me. The Holy Spirit's come and strengthened me. The Holy Spirit's come and directed me. It's a good, healthy balance. And I have nothing to hide. The struggles you face, I face them also. I have nothing to hide with you. But the scariest verse that I've ever heard from the Bible, many are called, but a few are chosen. And do you want to know what the Holy Spirit so said to me when I, he told me that scripture? Do you want to know what he said to me? Do you want to know what the Holy Spirit said to me when he told me that scripture on my fast? Now, can I tell you something here? I don't hear, for the, I don't hear from the Holy Spirit to bring a teaching to the people. I hear from the Holy Spirit to know how to walk with God. I don't, I don't, my relationship with God's not based on how I can teach the people. The base, my, my relationship with God's based on how I open my heart and walk with Him. My relationship with God is not, not based on how we lead the people. 
my relationship with God is how I walk with him. Now, can I share something with you? The Holy Spirit said to me, I want you to teach about this verse. And you know what he said to me? He said, many are called, but a few are chosen. He goes, I want you to know who he was talking to. He was talking to the Pharisees. When that line of context, many are called, but a few are chosen. And can I say it like this? There's a Pharisaical spirit that if we walk in this spirit of the Pharisees, we'll be disqualified from being used by God. Are we listening, someone? Are we listening, someone? Do you want to be the one that's disqualified? Do you want to be disqualified? Because the Bible says, many are called, few are chosen. Jesus will gather the sheep from the goats. Lord, Lord, go where I don't know you. So there is a fold that are false. They called him Lord. Now, can I say something to you? Do you want to become this person? Then snap out of it today. Because you will become that person if you don't understand the call of God. And I'm going to teach it today, how the Holy Spirit structured me to teach it. Now, I tell you something. When I read, I read from my own heart. So I can change. That's how I read. I read so I can change first. So if you get convicted, I got convicted also. And I say it like this. The, the Holy Spirit is like this. He's very direct. The, the pampering that you need and the comfort and the love that you need, the <coughs> compassion, the mercy, it will come. But the Holy Spirit is very direct. Yes? He's very direct. So many are called, but a few are chosen. And if we read it in the right sect, he's speaking about the Pharisees. So there's the spirit of the Pharisees, the Pharisaical spirit. That if we inherit this spirit, we will be disqualified from being used by God. Yes? Do you want to be disqualified? So take heed today. Okay, not the baby, the baby's exempt. So let's read it here, Matthew 22, 14 to 15. Now, I don't know if I'm going to go there, I'm white. So here it says, Matthew 22, 14, For many are called, but few are chosen. Next verse. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might entangle him in his talk. So you begin to see here in the rightful text of the scripture, he's talking to the Pharisees. And us Christians today, we can inherit a Pharisaical spirit where we, where we walk like them. Are we understanding? Yes? So can I share something with you? I, I wrote it down in case I might go there. But I'd like just to cover a few aspects of how the Pharisees actually walk through the Scriptures. Would you like to hear? To see if you're one of them? 
Would you like to hear? Uh, if it makes you happy, there was many of these aspects in my heart that had to get addressed. And it's okay. Because the Holy Spirit had to help me. And I was open to change. The, the greatest danger is if you think there's no problem with you. And you don't need to change. That's the danger. So there was many fruits of these inside of me. And I say it humbly. But I was open to change. Now, probably the biggest one, I started with the bombshell, the nuclear bomb. Probably the biggest one. This one is the nuclear bomb that wipes out everything good inside of you. Now, I'm going to get Anton to write all the scriptures for every sentence, but I'm not going to write them all, then we'll be here for like five, six hours. So Pharisees are motivated by jealousy and hatred. Wow. Pharisees are very critical of others in small and big matters. Now, let me tell you something. Many are called, but a few are chosen. And if you choose to stay like this, you'll be disqualified. And that's the truth. Pharisees are very critical of others in small and big matters. Let me give you an example of something that happened last week when I was talking to a believer. There was this man rapping on the streets, rapping for Jesus. He was rapping on the streets for Jesus. And I'm just, I, I put the video on purpose just to see what this guy is going to say. But it was like the Holy Spirit had to teach me something. So I put the video on and he's there rapping for Jesus. His pants are about to fall off. <laughs> His pants are about to fall off and he's there rapping in the city and he's going for it. He's rapping about Jesus on the streets. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm watching it and I'm seeing the guy is getting a bit agitated. And he said to me, that's not the gospel. I'm just giving you an example of that spirit. Now, I helped him to understand. And he said, that's not the gospel. We should be preaching the gospel in the way that it's written in the scriptures. Repentance and all this stuff. And he was going for it. And then the Holy Spirit told me to tell him. Tell him, is it better to rap on the streets for Jesus? Or is it better to rap in the clubs for the world? And not a sound came out of his mouth after that. See, everyone starts somewhere. And yes, he'll come to a place where he'll probably, probably leave that place and become effective and become more stronger for the Lord. But everyone starts somewhere. Maybe Jesus put him there in that place to reach all the other rappers, and the only way they'll listen is through that rapping. <laughs> God does it the way he wants. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me that I am to be very careful of seeing the little snippets and traces of that pharisaical spirit in my heart. And I thank the Lord for that. 
And yes, there's order in the scriptures. Yes, there's truth in the scriptures. But the Holy Spirit gave me a clear example. And then the Holy Spirit started to show me things in my mind and my heart about the church. Sometimes we complain people are too loud in the church. Isn't it better that they're loud here in the church than outside in the world? Some people will say that person's too much for me. I can't be around him. But isn't it better that they're inside the place where God can actually reach him rather than a place that he can't reach him? We have to change our hearts. Are we hearing everyone? Because you'll be disqualified by the Lord. And every one of us has had traces of this in my heart. In, in our heart. But you have to see it. Now, the greatest danger of that pharisaical spirit, it hides behind truth. It judges by the truth. But its heart's rotten. Yes? Now, I don't want to freestyle too much. Now, just look at these traces because, just look at them. Just, just relax. It's okay, relax. Making you laugh a bit. I normally don't make people laugh. Pharisees are suspicious and assume the worst about other people. Well, I had, to, I had to write this down to start my teaching. Whether I finish it, I'll continue it next week. But I just want to expose that spirit. Pharisees are, very, are suspicious and assume the worst about other people. Another very big one. Are we ready? Pharisees are easily offended. Are we ready? Are we, are we hearing? Okay. <coughs> Pharisees are hypocrites. Pharisees seek to catch others in their words. And I have references for all of them. Pharisees have knowledge without obedience. Very big one. I love the Christians that know everything. But when it comes to their walk, they're out of order. I speak for myself first. Pharisees have knowledge without obedience. Pharisees do not practice what they preach. Pharisees neglect their family responsibilities in the name of their religion. Pharisees are very careless in their speech. Pharisees lack justice, mercy, and faithfulness. Pharisees care more, more for the opinions of people rather than God's word. 
A very big one, this one. Pharisees love money. Very big one. They're all big ones, actually. Pharisees imagine that they are better than others. Pharisees look down on others. Pharisees trust in their own righteousness. Pharisees exalt themselves over others. Pharisees boast about their own accomplishments. Pharisees love to accuse others. Pharisees persecute those who don't listen to them. Very big one. And we mostly see this in the church, in churches. Pharisees are jealous of those who can do miracles that they can't do. Wow. Pharisees have no concern for lost sinners. You see now why you become disqualified? Because you're just concerned about yourself and not the world. Not the lost world that's going to hell. Pharisees always try to justify themselves. Pharisees always lie. Pharisees concentrate on having a good testimony externally only. Pharisees do not like to associate with sinners. Okay, th that's enough for today. That's enough for today in this area. Now you begin to see why you become disqualified by the Lord. You see how dangerous that pharisaical spirit is? Can everyone see how dangerous it is, someone? Yes? Be careful from today that you tell the Lord everything. If there has been traces or if you do function and operate like this, tell him because he can wash you and cleanse you from all, from all what? All unrighteousness. But you have to see it. Now, I tick many boxes from before Christ and even after Christ that had to be brought to the light. I'm not afraid to speak about them. But thank the Lord Jesus that he gave me the grace to see him. The seeing is, is the victory. Because when you see it, then you're at war with it. You don't want to entertain it anymore. Right? You see why you're disqualified? Many are called, few are chosen. If Jesus said it, it's the truth. And any one of us, including myself, can fall victim to that. Isn't that true? We all have to be careful. Now, he said other things to me, but I can't share them. And I love to always tease people a little bit to keep them. To keep them poking me a bit more. Now, from this teaching here, from this teaching here, 
on how to walk in your calling, you're going to learn so much of the areas that God focuses from the beginning to the end before he comes. So once you, when you first get saved, the scripture is clear of what God calls you to do. And before his return, how he wants to find you. Wouldn't you like to know? Who would like to know? When you first get saved, to how he wants to find you when he comes back. Now, the most foolishness thing that I heard believers say, come Lord Jesus, come. And they, and they done nothing for the Lord. Because they see such evil in this world, they say that phrase. But they done nothing for the Lord. And the only thing that you're going to carry on earth is how you glorify Jesus on earth. Right? Yes. So where does he begin? Where does it all begin? Let's go to the scripture. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 9 to 10. I thank the Lord Jesus through the Holy Spirit, because believe me, it's all him that prompts me to know this. And I say this humbly, it's all him that prompts me to know this. So from, from, from this teaching, you're going to learn how God takes you from each process and how he wants to find you before his return. Now, many people will say they're probably in the first level still, second level. You're going to see, and you're going to begin to diagnose where you are with the Lord. Isn't that healthy? That one can see where they are in the Lord Jesus Christ? Yes? Okay, good. Now, look, the first area that he focuses on in your journey. Whether you like it or not, that's how it is. It says here, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a consecrated nation, a special people for God's own possession. Who is he speaking about? All Christians. All Christians. So that you may proclaim the excellence, the wonderful deeds and virtues and perfections of him who called you out of where? Into his marvelous light. So what's the first area that he works on? Where does he have to call you out from? He has to call you out of darkness. That's the first area that the Lord focuses on. So, I wrote a little bit about this. Please, I'm not going to rush this because I have time next week to continue. I just want to get, I want you to have this food. <clears throat> so, what is darkness? There are three areas that darkness focuses on. 
Darkness, darkness represents the power of Satan. Number two, dark, darkness represents spiritual and physical death. And darkness represents the sin of mankind. That's from the scriptures. So let's go to Acts 26, 15 to 18. Acts 26, 15 to 18. Can I say something to you? This is Jesus Christ's first appearing to Paul. And look at the first instructions he gave to him. The first instructions he gave to Paul. Let's read it. <clears throat> so I said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and stand on your feet, for I have appeared to you for this purpose, to make you a minister and a witness both of the things which you have, been, have seen and of the things which I will yet reveal to you. I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom now I send you to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness to light. The first instructions Jesus gave Paul was to send him to open the eyes of people to get them from darkness into the light of Christ. You see the instructions of how the gospel was meant to be preached today? You know, when I, when I sit with people and I hear them minister the gospel, Jesus is going to use you. Jesus has so much for you. The first instructions that we are all to receive is to be transferred, is to be taken from darkness to light. The first instructions. We seem to want to lure people by what they can do for Christ rather than the place that they have to escape from. Are we understanding? We seem to want to lure people to Christ so they can surrender their life to Christ by what they can do for Him. That's false. They have to, He calls you out of darkness first. He calls you out of darkness, and that's a battle in itself. But we seem, the, the, the Pentecostal world, we seem to want to lure people to follow Christ by what they can do for Him. That's not true. The first instructions they all received about preaching the gospel was to repent. And that is the power of the gospel. So look what it says here, to open their eyes in order to turn them from darkness, to open your eyes to show you that you were a slave to darkness, a slave to sin, and a slave to Satan. And from the power of Satan to God, that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Now, can I say something to you? When it comes to forgiveness with Jesus Christ, what are you being forgiven from if you can't see what's inside? That's, that's the issue with the body. 
they haven't dug enough inside their heart to see what they need to be forgiven from. So the first area that the Holy Spirit works on is to call you out of darkness. The first area that you need to be focused, you need to focus is to get out of darkness. So I'm not going to read all of them. There's too much. We'll go to Ephesians 6.12, please. So darkness represents the power of Satan, spiritual and physical death, and the sin of mankind. Now, can I say it like this to you? Someone will say, Jesus, someone will say to me, Jesus died for my sins. But is it still living in your life? Is it still is it still functioning in your life? You need to be delivered from that. Are we understanding? You need to be delivered from that. If you're under the power of Satan, you need to be delivered from that. You have to understand what's actually evident in your life. So someone may say, Jesus died for my sins. Jesus has defeated Satan. But is it evident in your life? That's where you begin to work on. So the first area he works on is to call you out of darkness. And the Bible says that he's transferred us from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his son that he loves. But you have to understand now the difference between the new man and the new nature. The moment you get transferred, the moment you get transferred from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your light, that's your new nature. Sorry, that's your new man. Then you have to form the new nature. So there's a difference here. The new man is when you first come to Christ, you're a new man in Christ. The old has passed away. The new has come. But then you have the old nature to the new nature. That's your nature inside of what's actually evident in your life. So let's go to Ephesians 6.12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, contending only with physical opponents, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of his present darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. Now you start to see against the powers of Satan. You know, in this fast, I had six dreams where I'm fighting demons of different believers in this church. <laughs> and a lot of people would think, how are you going in your life? Uh, are you good in your journey? There's another whole realm that we can't see that's working behind the scenes. Are we understanding? There's a whole new realm in the heavenly realms because we are spiritual beings in a, in a human flesh, in a human body. We're spiritual beings first. So, so one, will think, one will think, why am I going through these things now here on this earth? Why am I going through these things? There's a whole, there's a whole new realm that's trying to target us 
which is the kingdom of darkness against us. We are in such a war, I can't tell you. We are in such a spiritual war, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. Six people. And the devil was trying to do, I was seeing in my dream what he's trying to do to the people. And I just told you what the works of darkness is. The power of Satan, spiritual and physical death, and the sin of mankind. So that's the task of that darkness. The realm of darkness is what to make produce inside of you. So you begin to see here our battle. And let me tell you something. This is a big battle. You have to be all in to actually overcome this, right? Right? So I tell people to fast and they didn't fast. It's actually not funny. I tell people to fast and they didn't fast. I'm not telling you to try something. I'm telling you what God told you to do. Then the people that fasted, oh, I don't want to go there. I actually don't want to go there. So, Satan has three main ways he works against us. Three main ways. And the biggest one is the one that I'm going to share. He tempts us. He blinds the minds of the believer. And he deceives us. The three main areas that he works. He blinds us, he tempts us, and he deceives us. Quickly, the sin of mankind. Let's go to it. First John, first John chapter one, verse five to seven. This is the message. This is the message we have heard from him and declared to you. God, God is light. When I started to read this and I saw darkness in my life, I came to terms that there are areas in my life that I have to work on. I came to terms that there's areas of my life I have to work on. Don't hide from them. Because the worst thing is darkness remains in your life. No one starts clean in the beginning. You have to be cleansed by the Lord. This is the message we heard from the beginning uh, from him and declare to you. God is light, in him there is no darkness at all. You pay the bill, Becky? If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. I came to terms that there were areas in my life that I had to bring to the light. It's okay. But work with them. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin.
So just to quickly close this little teaching, Satan lost. Satan lost. Satan lost. Darkness did not win. Satan lost. Death lost. Jesus claimed them all. But for us to be in tune in that area, we have to surrender. One would say, Jesus won the victory, but you're defeated. Come to him with that defeat. Come to him with the area that you're lacking. That's the first area. That's just the first area of what he calls you out of. So many Christians are still in this area of darkness, in the domain where the enemy can reach them. Are we understanding? So many Christians, sadly enough, are still in the domain of darkness, where Satan has influence over them. Are we hearing? That's just the first, there's, there's ten steps. That's the first one. You know why? I take it back to one thing. Because they haven't surrendered enough. I take it back to one thing. They haven't surrendered their life enough. They just get a little bit just to, just to keep them sustained. Like people in the Bible study, uh, they get what they want and they come and, and the tank's empty again and they're idling and the car is shaking. They come again, fill me up a little bit more. That's how Christianity has become. I'm not afraid to uh, shake. That's Christianity. Imagine how Jesus feels. And he paid the price for you. <laughs> Imagine how Jesus feels and he paid the price for you. And he gave up his life for you. Imagine how he feels and you're his prized possession. You're called, the Bible says, the Bible says when the Son of Man be raised, he will draw people to who? He died to bring you to himself. You belong to him. So the first thing is, what does he do? He calls you where? Out of what? Out of the power of Satan? Out of spiritual and physical death? How many people are spiritually alive here today? Don't put your hand up, please. How many people are spiritually alive where they live from heaven on earth? How many people? Or how many people just live enough just to be sustained? How many people are living off the Bible study and rely on the Bible study to lift you? Your relationship is every day with the Lord. Second. Let's see who. Does anyone know the second step? So, picture your journey now. Picture your journey now. You're walking with Christ. He's calling you out of darkness. What's the second step you think needs to take place? 
Are we awake? What do you think? But think, don't just spray words. What's that? So you as a person, when you know there's darkness in your heart, or when you know you're under the influence of the power of Satan, or you're under the influence of sin, what do you think your approach should be to God? Yeah, well, I understand that. But, but, what's that? Humble yourself? Clap for her. Very good. Humble yourself. And can I share something with you? Because I'll come around the corner with another approach of why you didn't fast. I had a revelation about fasting. I had a revelation, and God spoke to me about this revelation. Now, the Bible says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of the Lord, and he shall exalt you in the due time. That same word, humble, translated from the Hebrew, is where they used to um, wear sackcloth and put ashes over their body. Fasting. How God sees you humbling yourself is not uh, you have a hamburger in your hand, and you, Lord, I humble myself. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. Someone sent me, someone sent me a photo when they were fasting. Uh, the day before they're fasting, the probably hamburger was that big. And I said, brother, you just ate for one week. <laughs> I said, all that, you ready prepared for one week. Uh, so we went to Costco, me and my wife, to get um, snacks for the kids for school. It's probably around seven, eight big boxes. And the bin day was two days later. And it's 36 degrees, and I'm fasting, and I'm thinking, man, how am I going to get all these boxes in the bin? And nothing of God I was thinking. I was just going through my day doing whatever I had to do. And I come to break the first box. And I came to break the first box. And in that moment, I had a picture in my spirit that if I was to throw all those boxes, they were big ones, they were like that big. If I was to throw two boxes in the bin, that bin would already be full. Even if I was to break them all, still they wouldn't fit. But the Holy Spirit showed me ashes, the ashes of the cardboard. That if I was to burn them all, it can be carried in the palm of my hand. All those, all those boxes that are so big, if they're burned, they'll only take up that much room. But God showed me that's what it's like when you fast. You become like ashes where you can be carried in God's hand so he can take you to your purpose. And the Holy Spirit shows me this so we can invest in it. Yes. It's not well, and but I'm not fasting. He showed it to me so we can invest in fasting. He showed me all those boxes. It's like us, our flesh. Our flesh cannot fit in the purpose of God. But when we fast, 
we humble ourselves so God can move. It's not the fasting that humbles ourselves. It's that our flesh is moved so he can move. The fasting itself is not the breakthrough. It's that when we fast, our flesh is moved for the hand to come. Because we can't idolize fasting, though it's, a, though it's one of the keys to our faith. It's the flesh is moved for his hand to come. That's how powerful our flesh is. And he showed me ashes, all those boxes can be fit in a palm. But if you were to carry all those boxes, you won't be able to get them in one place. And it's just interesting. He showed me fire and ashes. So when you fast, I encourage you. Fast. I remember one guy when we were fasting. We're doing a 10-day fast. I think 14-day fast. And he come to pick me up on the eighth day. And he had one liter of coffee. And, he, and I said, uh, I said, brother, what are you doing? Because I'm fasting, bro. And I said, brother, if you gave me that, I'll fast the whole year. I said, the right way to fast is nothing. No, 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 no tea. No communion. Someone done a sneaky one. It's a couple months ago. Your flesh is wild. Your flesh is wild. Someone said to me, <laughs> it's actually funny. Someone said to me, I'm fasting. And I said, yeah, praise the Lord, we're doing communion. I said, I told you, I told you, it's when you fast, you do nothing. You don't eat nothing. And look at the flesh, how is it? That's a sneaky one, that one. That was a, that was a good one, actually. They got communion out. <laughs> when you fast, the right way, no food, no water. No food, just water. If you want to do it the right way, do it the right way. Don't deceive yourself. So I had people. Yeah, another thing also, no salts. Look, I'm not being, I'm not being a, a critical here. I'm just teaching you to fast the right way. People get these uh, salts that are good for your body. No salts. You fast the right way. Anyways, I don't want to speak too much about this, but I'm just sharing with you. Fast the biblical way. Fast the biblical way. Don't. Don't do the wrong thing. That communion was a good one. And that, yeah, that's a good one, actually. <laughs> actually a good one. But the guy had one liter coffee. He had the, you know, the, the, yeah. And he goes, just black, bro. It's just black. <laughs> so listen, our, the Bible is the compass. And we're not here to put a gun to anyone's head to fast. But when you fast, do the right thing. Okay? So the second step, the second step is to humble yourself. He calls you, so he calls you first out of darkness. The second step is to humble yourself. So he calls you to humble yourself that you may escape Satan's arena and influence 
where all the suffering is so he can establish you and complete. You know all the sufferings that people go through, believers? I'm going to read it. Let's go to First Peter chapter 5, verse 5 to 11. Here he's talking about a suffering that Christians go through, and this is connected to Satan. And I'm going to read it here. Now, I'm not reading the scripture to endorse something in this, in this church. Please, I'm not using the scripture to use it against you to endorse something of why you're not accountable yet or why you're, you don't have a covering yet. I'm not endorsing that. But the scripture is clear that when you first come to the Lord, of the men of lesser rank and experience to be subject to the people who are in your life, who are leading, who are, who are steering through the Holy Spirit. You are to be subject to them. This is one way God sees that he can get to you. Because, you know, the extreme... So many people here have left their traditional churches thinking they need no one to teach them, thinking I have Jesus, the Word of God, and the Holy Spirit. It's actually wrong. You need to be accountable. Why? The first area that God works through accountability is so you can escape the grasp of Satan. Make sure you check the scripture properly. Everyone's uh, looking at it. Everyone's looking at the scripture, this one, very carefully. So for all the people that are not accountable, God can't get to you. Because if you think you can do it on your own, pride's already entered your heart. We all need each other. And there are people that have gone before you, that have people that have gone before me, that have overcame this place, that are walking in obedience with Christ, that are walking by the Spirit, that have learned how to break those things over the flesh. They can teach you. But if you think you can do it on your own, you're already deceived. So the second step, he calls you out of darkness, then he calls you to be subject to the people who he's put in your life so they can speak raw truth to you, so they can guide you on the areas that you need to focus on. So one person came to me four weeks ago for prayer, and she's quoting on Facebook, you don't need anyone to lead you to Christ, you have Christ and the Holy Spirit. She came to get deliverance. I said, sister, go deliver yourself. I actually told her, go deliver yourself. But you see, you see, we need each other. We need each other. The Bible says you isolate yourself to your own destruction. And I'm not endorsing this so you can come and say we want to be accountable. You should be accountable all by now. Look, accountability, the blessing of accountability is to get you out of the grasps of Satan and to get you out of the grasp of sin. So it says, likewise, you younger men of lesser rank and experience, be subject to your elders, seek their counsel, 
and all of you clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Tie on the servant's apron. For God is opposed to the proud, the disdainful, the presumptuous, and he defeats them, but he gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, set aside self-righteousness, pride, so that he may exalt you to a place of honor in his service at the appropriate time. Casting all your cares, all your anxieties, all your worries, and all your concerns once and for all on him, for he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Isn't that beautiful? Be sober, well-balanced, and self-disciplined. Be alert and cautious at all times. That enemy of yours, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, fiercely hungry, seeking someone to devour. Now, who is he speaking about? He's speaking about the, pri the prideful, the ones who are self-righteous, the ones who are presumptuous. So the ones who are not accountable, he can get to, because you're not hearing hard truths. And the truth is, when you're going through a battle of yours, you're very sensitive, you're very emotional. You've built your own mindset of how you're going to get out and who, why you think it's there. But the people who God put in your life, they can speak truth to you. But resist him. Be firm in your faith against his attack. Rooted, established, immovable, knowing that the same experiences of suffering are being experienced by your brothers and sisters throughout the world. You not suffer alone. Now, what suffering is this? What suffering is this? What suffering is this? It's the suffering that you go through to get disconnected from the snares of the enemy into the grips of the Holy Spirit. You understand now? Everyone goes through this suffering. And the ones who are prideful, Satan sticks to them. Satan harasses them. Now look at the blessing of accountability and look at the blessing of humility. When you humble yourself and become accountable, you're really becoming humble to the Lord. Not to man. You're doing it unto the Lord. And let me tell you something. So many people are not accountable because they're scared of change. They're actually scared of change. Some people are not accountable because they don't want to be told what to do. Some people are not accountable because they think they're going to be controlled. It's not true. If other churches have done it, I don't care about their experience. It's what's happening here. Don't bring anyone else's experience in this place. I don't care what's happening outside. I care what God's doing here. So many people, their walls are up because they've brought a wrong experience into this place. And so many people have left because of that. Now look at the blessing here. After you have suffered a little while, so many people are suffering for still a long time because they haven't humbled themselves. The God of all grace, who imparts his blessings and favor, 
who called you to his own eternal glory. Now look at this. Who called you to his own eternal glory in Christ. Will himself complete, confirm, strengthen and establish you, making you what you ought to be. Now look at the blessings of humility. Are you humble? Are you humble in the sight of God? Where if God has put you here, you should be accountable by now. We should know each other's hearts by now. We should know where you are so we can help you move forward. Amen? Anyways, I didn't bring the scripture to bring this to you. To him be dominion, power, authority, sovereignty forever and ever. Now the first step is to call you out of darkness. The second step is to humble yourself. Now that's the sad bit here. People come out of the traditions. We have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. And we have Jesus. We don't need anyone. It's wrong. And they come out of that traditional mindset where it's dead. Or where bad things have happened. People have been taken advantage of. And they come closed. They come scared. They come wounded. But the people that God's put in your life, they will not do that to you. So that lady that came and she said, I said, go deliver yourself. She ended up getting delivered. She humbled herself. God, God needed her just to come and humble herself. To show her the word humility. Now, it's not because God brought her to me that she got delivered. It was because she humbled herself to the Lord. We are nothing. But it's, it's, she humbled herself unto the Lord. And the Lord moved, showing her that we need each other. Now, God can use anyone. But it's the word humble. Now, the first step, I want to challenge some people. The first step, he calls you out of darkness. The three areas that you have to work on. The second one, you've got to humble yourself. The third step, what do you think the third step is? What do you think the third step is? What's that, sorry? Now we already spoke about that. First one. What do you think the third one is? What's that, sorry? I can't hear you, sorry. Build yourself, yeah? What do you think the third step is that God focuses on? Love? What do you think the third step is? So... So, cause you out of darkness, humble yourself. What does he humble yourself towards? What do you think the most important thing of your Christian life is? Speak about yourself. What's that, sorry? Obedience. What do you think it is? When you think about humbling yourself, what is God trying to put inside of you? Close. Close. New heart, close. 
what do you think when you're humbling yourself, what is God trying to impart inside of you? Think about it. When you think about God, what's one of his major uh, components, one of his major principles? What's that? Who said that? Clap for him. Very good. Very good. Thank God. Did you take photo of my notes? <laughs> <laughs> Very good, AJ. <laughs> Very good. See, did he? Allah will fix him up. <laughs> so the first step he calls you out of darkness the second step humble yourself and the third step he calls you to a holy life now you look at the scriptures today the Lebanese get saved they want to be the Paul of Tarsus we want to save the world before God saves our heart Uh, God can only use a holy vessel. And it's His holiness through the Holy Spirit that He produces that. So the third step, He calls you to a holy life. Look at the scriptures. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 1, verse 9. I chose this photo because it's narrow and they're going uphill. Yeah. Is there, yeah, is a nigla. Now look at this here. Why did he save you? To take you to heaven? That's when you die. Why did he save you? He saved you so you can be holy like him. Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. For he delivered us and saved us. And what? Called us. Now we're, he, we're seeing here how God calls us. Or how to walk in our calling. You're seeing now the level and the sound doctrine that's coming to you. Are you seeing the levels that God wants to produce in us? Right? Does it happen overnight? No. Just like salvation is a preparation, you live your whole life through that process of becoming holy, becoming obedient, and waiting with Him, waiting before He comes, in, in operating like Him, you start to see the process. For He delivered us and saved us, and called us with a holy calling, a calling that leads to a consecrated life, a life set apart, a life of purpose, not because of our works or because of any personal merit. We could do nothing to earn this, but because of his own purpose and grace, his amazing undeserved favor, which was granted to us in Christ Jesus before the world began eternal ages ago. 
So what did he do? What did he do? He delivered us and saved us and called us with a holy calling. A calling that leads to a consecrated life. I love the people that get scripture to fit their disobedience. Someone quoted uh, a thing about how does your theology sit with you about the man on the left of him. He didn't, that day he was in paradise with him. He didn't have to repent. How does that fit with you? He didn't have to do this. He didn't have to do this. That person was on his last breath. While you've had, whatever, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50 years to change and you choose not to change. That's, that's a false grace. Because that was on his last breath, on his last straw. God saved him. But that's a cover-up for you not to change. That's why God judges the teacher more strictly. Because he can lead the rest of the people to hell. If the blind lead the blind, both of them will fall into the pit. So I love people when they get scripture to fit that what Jesus has done is enough for them. But not to shake up things inside of them to change. It's a false gospel. I thank God for the word of God. It's clear of what he calls us to do. And look at this here. Cause you out of darkness, you got to humble yourself. Now he's working on holiness. Next scripture, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 15 to 16. I'm just giving you here, I'm just giving you here from this teaching a whole a whole vision of how God needs to work on you. And believe me, can I say something to you? It's not overwhelming. It's actually the right way that God does things inside of you. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Because it is written, be holy for I am holy. And that's the gift of holiness that he gives through the death of Jesus Christ that we receive this. But you have to understand that we are to walk like Christ. Next scripture, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 7, and I'll move on to the fourth one. For God did not call us to uncleanness, but in holiness. So let me tell you something. Can you detach from the flesh? Can you detach from sin? Can you detach from your old nature? Yes, the scripture tells us that we can. Doesn't, doesn't mean how hard it is, or the struggle against it, or it's too overwhelming, or I don't know how this can happen, I'm a slave to it. Jesus Christ, when he died, he came to destroy the works of the enemy. It's possible because Jesus did this for us. Okay? Number four. Let's see who can get this one. 
Number four, and I will stop here. I'll stop here. Number four. After holiness, what do you think God works on? On holiness, when it comes to holiness, it talks about keeping your, your conscience clear, your body holy, your heart holy. What do you think the next step would be? Restoration. So whoever gets the answer, I'll stop. So restoration, sanctification, that's part of holiness. So what do you think the next step would be? Everyone's on Google? <laughs> what do you think? So he calls you out of darkness. What's the second one? Humbles yourself. What's the third one? Holiness, to live in holiness. What do you think the fourth one is? What's that, sorry? No, bro. You're disqualified from last week. <laughs> what do you think the fourth one would be? Think about your journey. Just, just reflect about your own journey. What do you think the fourth one would be? What does he call you to work on next? Intimacy? Not, 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 not yet. What's that, sorry? Who said character? Clap for her. Very good. He calls you to work on your godly character. Let's go to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. He works on your godly character. Are we getting this, someone? So what do the Lebanese do when they get saved? We want to work with the last one, the spiritual gifts. <laughs> no offense, but I'm just, I'm just telling you how we've been built up without building the inside first. Remember, the gifts are given without repentance. That's not a sign that Christ is marked you. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 4. So I, the prisoner of the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. You see now, these are all scriptures regarding your calling. Yes? Okay, so I, the prisoner for the Lord, appeal to you to live a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Who's speaking here? Oh, that is to live a life that exhibits godly moral courage and personal integrity and mature behavior. Now, after you've worked on the holiness of Christ inside of you, you are to focus on your character. Moral courage, personal integrity, and mature behavior are life that expresses gratitude to God for your salvation. With all humility, 
forsaking self-righteousness and gentleness, maintaining self-control with patience, bearing with one another in unselfish love. Now look at this here. With your character now, it's more leaning towards how you treat others. You start to see now the three points that I spoke about. Now it's more focusing on how you treat others. Yes? Make every effort to keep the oneness of the Spirit in the bond of peace, each individual working together to make the whole successful. Only maturity can do this. Now we're at the level of maturity. There is one body of believers and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when called to salvation. So you begin to see, number one, he calls you where? Out of darkness, where many believers are still fighting. Second, second, humility. God sees humility by how, first, by how you become accountable. Accountable to open your heart to see where the enemy has defiled you, where the enemy has robbed you, where the enemy has taken advantage of you. That's why you become accountable. And will begin to lead you through the Holy Spirit how to get out. And let me tell you something. The deliverance is not something that I get happy about. To know that He's there and feasting on your flesh is what, is what I want to get into. So He doesn't have any more uh, authority to enter that place again. The deliverance, someone says, well, the demons are submitted to us. Jesus corrected them. Don't. Don't think about that. Think about their names. Deliverance is not the, uh, the, the big thing. It's why is he there to begin with. So this is what accountability does. And I'm not saying this again. I'm just showing you the blessing of it. Number three. Holiness. Number four. Godly character. And I'm going to stop there. It's almost 10 o'clock. We'll stop here. Thank you, Jesus. And we'll begin to, we'll begin it next, next week. Thank God. Just a quick uh, announcement. Uh, by the grace of God, um, Pastor Celia and his team from Brazil are going to come here in May, the first month of May. So me, me um, myself, Pastor Tony and Pastor Dorian and our families will discuss how we're going to prepare it all and we'll get back to you. But just a heads up of that he is coming by God's grace. Prepare your hearts. They carry uh, a powerful testimony of the Lord and you will all get blessed. Amen. So just prepare your hearts. And when we discuss exactly how it's going to be run, we will bring it to you. Amen. So, how many people today got a little glimpse of what God's called us to do? You begin to see everything slow. 
no one gets there quick. Yes? Yes? Everything's slow. God works in you little by little. Little by little. When I first got saved, well, did God have to put the handbrake on? Learned so much from where I was to now, by God's grace, to understand the process of God. If there's something that I love now, it's not how God uses me. It's the build-up that got me there. That's what I love. I love the build-up that brought me the success. You must love the process above the success. Because when your eyes are on the process, the success will naturally come. Amen? Amen? Thank you, Jesus. You must love the hard work of digging that heart, renewing that mind, and being real with the Lord Jesus. Us Christians, we want to see success externally. God sees success. God sees success internally. Because when the inside is clean, the outside naturally will be clean. This is how you must see your walk with Christ. If the inside is clean, the outside will naturally be clean. Amen? Thank you, Jesus. Put your hands on your heart. Be who you are. Where you are is where you are. Some people are lesser, some people are greater. Look at yourself only. Did you hear? Look at yourself only and only yourself. Because God created you unique. Each one is unique. Each one has a process. Each one has a call of God. Don't mimic anyone else. Be who you are. Amen. Keep your hand on your heart. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, we love you so much and we honor you for everything you've done for us. Lord, it's your grace that allows us to stand. It's your love that allows us to never give up. It's your mercy that allows us always to lift our eyes to you. I love you, Lord. Lord, there's no words that can express what you've done for me and the people here. Lord, I love you. Lord, you're the one who can love me more than I can ever love myself. I thank you, Lord, that you have the key to my heart. I thank you, Lord, that you have the best interest for me. I prayed for the people today that they may have the best interest and they may know that you have the best interest for them. Because when they know that that you have the best interest for them, they will surrender their life to you. Thank you, Lord. 
Lord, I thank you for your death and your sacrifice. I thank you that we are now seated with you in heavenly places. Give us the grace to continue. Give us the wisdom to know you more. And I thank you, Lord, that from today, we declare that greater is the one who's in us than the one who's in the world. We declare the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead is living in us. Thank you, Holy Spirit, the comforter that reveals Jesus Christ as Lord, as Savior, the one who leads us and walks with us and never forsakes us. We love you, Lord. Lord, there's no words that can express what you've done. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you've done. Thank you, Lord. We glorify your name here, in our hearts, in our minds, in our bodies, and in this world. We thank you, Lord, for who you are. Thank you for loving us. And thank you that nothing can ever separate us from your love ever again. Thank you. It's because of your death, because of your blood, that we are not consumed. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We love you so much. Thank you so much, Lord. Thank you for your teaching, Lord. Thank you for your direction. Thank you for all that you do. All the glory belongs to you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. As believers, we are to know what God wants from us. Yes? As believers, we must know what God wants from us. Today, you got a little portion of it. And can I say something to you? Some wisdom. From all this teaching, you learn the best thing that God wants. <laughs> From this teaching, you learn what God's most interested with. This one. This place. When you seek Him with all your heart, you'll find Him. He's interested in this place. Just learn from today. From all that teaching of those four points, it's the heart. After that, naturally, there's an overflow that can't be, can't be controlled. It will overflow, and people around you will become part of that. When there's a river overflowing out of you, Whoever comes in your influence is going to get touched by it. But let your heart get drunk and let your heart be overflown in the spirit. Whoever is around you is naturally going to get touched. But let it flow from here. Out of the abundance of the heart, let it be from here, not from here. Let it come from here. And just know from all that teaching, God's interested in the most important place, your heart. Satan's also interested in your heart. They are fighting for it every day. 
And that's the truth. We are in a war. Every Christian, every believer, we are in a great war. So bless you all today. Thank you for coming. Thank you for remaining here. And begin to really dig deep with the Lord. Amen. Thank you, Jesus.